I'm Chris Peters, and welcome to the Consulting Psychic Podcast. This is a podcast designed for marketeers who seek a future in consulting, either as a main gig or as a side gig. I speak to marketeers who made a jump as a consultant full-time and to those that treat it as a side hustle. We'll dig into their stories about how they got their first clients, their inspiration, managing their time whilst they're still employed, and how they prepare to go alone. Now let's go. Melissa, welcome to Consultant Psychic Podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, we were just talking a moment ago, and we talked about your inspiring post that you put on LinkedIn a couple of weeks ago now that articulated your, your story and making this leap to be a full-time consultant. So maybe a good place to start would be perhaps giving our listeners an overview of yourself and kind of where you're at in your consulting journey. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so as Chris said, my name is Melissa. Um, for the last three years, I've been in marketing at a startup. And about a year ago, I started to experiment, I would say, with freelance uh, content writing. So I would mostly do B2B companies. I would, you know, pitch my services and just do some articles here and there. Very ad hoc, nothing too consistent, but just wanted to see do I like this? I know I love writing, but do I like the client kind of management side of things? Um, And uh, two months ago, I handed in my notice at my full-time job and I'm going full-time freelance. So obviously something stuck and I really liked it. I still have that that first client as well. So that's nice, a nice journey to see. Um, But yeah, content marketing is really my sweet spot. Content writing, copywriting, things like that. Do a bit of strategy as well. So well, look, congratulations. Um, my very first question is around, you mentioned that you started to dabble in freelancing. I guess, how did you start to, to do that? So did you go on to Upwork and try and look at some uh, opportunities? Did you go on to like LinkedIn, direct outreach, a few emails? What was it that got those very first side hustle jobs? So I'm really lucky to have uh, a network who, of consultants and freelancers around me, um, who I've worked with in the, like through Learnably, which was my full-time employment, um, and then just through other gigs. And I kind of mentioned that I was open to freelancing, like just casually in a call with someone. And then a week or two later, they were like, hey, I have a client. They need a writer. You interested? Um, and at first, I wasn't sure um, because, you know, I, I really liked my job at the time. And I wasn't, you know, it's taking on more work, less work-life balance kind of thing. But I, I said yes, because I had some bills coming up. I'm American by, if you can tell by my accent and I have student loans to pay off. So I was like, yes, okay, I'm going to take on the extra cash. Um, and, and yeah, it kind of fell into my lap. But I think if I hadn't said to someone in my network, I'm open to freelancing, then it, it wouldn't have come together. Interesting. So, so talking about network and how that conversation come about, are, are these people that you've you've had a relationship for working with them in the past, and you've just kept in kept in touch, or is these people that you've developed an online relationship through LinkedIn or what have you? Yeah. So the person I'm referencing, his name's Tim Hansen. He's pretty active on LinkedIn, so you might have seen him. Um, he was our and is still Learnably's SEO consultant. And so we worked super closely because I was the content person at Learnably. We had weekly calls for like now three years, right? Yeah. So it was about two years into that 
co-working relationship that I said it and and he and he followed up. So um, yeah, it's definitely someone I had a working relationship with. So he knew my quality of, of work as well. It wasn't just like, hey, I know this person. It was like, I can vouch for her. Great. Um, so looking at, you know, you, you had those initial nibbles, you got that taste for, for freelancing. You've now made that decision to move full time because the opportunities allow it. But what's fueled the why behind it? You know, presumably there's arguably a little bit more stability with a, a current employer. Maybe there's more growth opportunity from you from a personal development and uh, income perspective. Is it the work-life balance that you referenced previously? Like what's what's driving this decision? Yeah, I think freedom of choice. So it's that freedom to choose who I work with, what I work on, um, when I work, and you know how much I, I do. So yes, I think a lot of people say freelance is like good work-life balance. Not always. Sometimes it's way worse because you know you're you're everything in your business. You're the you know the executor of tasks. You do the admin side. You do business development, marketing. You know finances. Everything's yours unless you're outsourcing, which is you know definitely an option. But at first, you're everything, and you're you're kind of overworking a lot of the time. So I don't think there's that much work-life balance. I'd like to get to that point. Um, where I can raise my rates, take on less, you know, have those recurring clients that I can count on. Um, but yeah, right now it's very, I would say there's little work-life balance, but I have the freedom to choose like when I start to pull back or when I increase my prices, what am I worth? Everything. It's just, it's complete freedom. Um, and there is insecurity as far as like, you know, I know, I have two to three months work mapped out, but beyond that, I don't know. At the same time, full-time employment, you can be let go at any time and then you're just, you're finding your next gig. So I think, yes, it feels less stable, but in other ways, if I lose a client, I have others. So I only have one full-time job, but I have several clients so absolutely you're, you're in control of your own destiny and you're right you just see it in the news the layoffs that are happening and, and marketing is not immune from that by any means um so so looking at you mentioned there kind of your why and actually what's fueling that how are you setting those guardrails for new employers so when you're putting in proposals does it mean that this is how i work and this is what you not necessarily have to conform to, but these are the expectations that I am setting. Like, are you are you having those? What could be a difficult conversation before you even started working with someone? Yeah, so I'm really clear about like what work I do and what work I don't, and I, that's kind of outlined in my proposal. So it's like, you know, I do articles of this length, but I don't do social media posts. Like, I do, you know, I'll do a case study, but I, I don't do video content. Like, it's it's written content. So that those outlines those guardrails are there. And I'm very clear about deliverable. So like when I do propose a strategy, um, content strategy to a prospect, I outline every deliverable, like time frame and, and all of that kind of stuff. I did have a somewhat difficult conversation, but I think we kind of met halfway, which I don't want to work at a company day rate wise. Like I don't want to show up for a, for a nine to five. If I did, I'd still be full-time employed. Um, and I don't want to do that and then not have control over what work I am doing for that client. 
So I did have a prospect reach out and they wanted a day rate. I said, look, I don't do nine to five, but I'm happy to give you a certain amount of hours a month that I work on content for you. And like, we can have that conversation about like what is being produced, but I'm not going to show up and be on Slack from nine to six, nine to five, whatever your working hours are. I'm going to own my time. And when that time is distributed across my week um, so that I can go on a week holiday, I can visit my, like I can go to the US and work completely different hours if I want um, that kind of setup. So I think there's guardrails, but because I'm starting out, I'm still a little flexible about figuring out what works for me and what doesn't. So maybe I'll really love the day rate thing. Maybe I won't. Right now I'm trying to price based on deliverables though. Interesting. And in, and in that case with that particular client, how was that received? Did they end up being a client or actually wanted something else? Yeah. So I think there was a little bit of confusion at first mm-hmm. around because within that proposal was my day rate. But then also if this doesn't work, if like you're, you know, you are stuck on having someone who's nine to five, but you have ad hoc projects as well. These are my ad hoc like pricings mm. based on deliverables. And so I think they got a little muddled. But when we had a call and I broke it down, um, it became clear. And we're still talking because um, the start dates didn't align. They needed mm-hmm. me sooner. So right now they have someone helping out in the interim until my availability is, is great. You know, I'm more free. So I think promising, we'll see. Well, it sounds like there's huge enthusiasm to keep to work with you if they've got an interim solution to try and accommodate. So that's great. So has there been a, a key learning from that experience? So have you changed how you put proposals together on the back of it? Um, I don't think I've changed proposals, but I I think going forward, I do want to stick by my guns. And while being flexible, don't compromise the things that I know I want. So I'm not going to work a nine to five. I, I will I know I won't bend. So I guess a learning off of it is just stick your guns and it will work out if the client is interested enough. Great. So so to portray that expertise and I guess that desire or need to work with you, like what are you doing to like stand out from from other like competitors? So how 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 are you doing that? Um standing out. I'm not sure if I'm standing out. Um I think well, I've niched I'm trying to niche rather into HR tech, L&D tech, B2B workplace kind of technologies to SaaS um, because that's what I have experience in. So like last three years I've been with Learnably, it's an L&D platform. Um, So that's where my expertise is with content marketing. So I'm trying to leverage that. And this prospect was actually is is in the L&D and HR tech space. So I think there was that confidence in my capabilities, which allowed for the conversation to develop. Um, but yeah, so I, I think I think Mishin can help communicate your expertise in something um, versus just being like a generalist writer or marketer. Um, but as far as doing anything different, I'm posting on LinkedIn or trying to. Uh, I hope to ramp that up just to establish myself as a thought leader and especially as they start to raise prices, I want people to know the value they're getting. I'm not, you know, I'm not creating a bland article that AI could create. I'm doing something, you know, really custom and bespoke based on your product, your positioning and your audience. So I think that's, that's how writers and marketers should try to stand out. 
Absolutely. And just on that niche point, is that the continued plan to just keep honing in on that category or to give yourself best opportunity to, to broaden that net? You're going to seek out other categories in your prospecting? Well, I'm not sure. I mean, it could change. Right now, I niched because I enjoy the topic and I think it's easier to to write when you have a vested interest in what you're writing about. Um, so that was kind of what led me to niching so early because I do think a lot of people will start and they'll have just like an open net and they're trying to catch whatever work they can. Um, I do have clients who are not in that niche because that's what I did six months ago. I was just looking for opportunities. Um, and but now I'm being much more selective, and it's it's because I want to really enjoy the content I'm I'm creating and the marketing I'm I'm doing. Interesting, and that's this is what we're doing it for. If we're if we're not liking what we're doing, like what's what what's the point? So like honing in on what you enjoy the most that makes complete sense. So taking a, a step back somewhat. So when you had those initial conversations with some of those earlier prospects or the, the side hustle freelance gigs did you have a, a verbal agreement with your employer that this was the case did you tell them after you didn't tell them at all like and if so like how did you approach that conversation and presumably it went well so how, how was that yeah so uh, it, well, it was almost it was a year and a half ago now and I had a different manager at the time than I do now but I had a conversation with him very we had a great relationship it was very open and honest and I just said look, I have student loan payments coming up. I need to meet them. I'm going to take on some freelance work. I didn't really ask if it was okay. It was more like informing them that this yeah. is what I do. And if, if it's not okay, then, you know, I guess let me know. But yeah, I was just open about it um, really upfront. I don't know that everyone has a relationship with their employer in that way. So I don't know if it's, you know, blanket advice but I do think if you if you can be open and honest do at the time I also said that if it impacted my ability to do a good job in my day job that I would stop um I didn't plan on going full-time freelance at the time so it wasn't it wasn't like an either or it was just Mm. this is something I'm gonna do help me out financially great so I think in terms of working with your main employer and then having some of these side freelance gigs what processes and systems did you have in place and then secondly what's informed any additional processes that you have in place now to make your work more efficient your marketing more efficient or your just general day-to-day so really keen to understand general processes or maybe any automations that you have yeah absolutely so I have a notion board um that all my tasks live on. So every client has like a specific tag, um, price point, like everything's listed on the dashboard. And then each client also has their own page that has all of the information I need to write about their product. So whether it's like an onboarding questionnaire, um, you know, the pricing that we've agreed to, um, details about their marketing, any writer guidelines they have, I, I house all of that there. And so whenever I'm working on a project for a client, I, I have that up. I have those resources available. Um, and that's really helped when you're writing for multiple clients as well. It's really imperative that you have some kind of resource database to fall back on because 
it, then it would be like starting from scratch every time you pick up um, a task for a client and or or a project for a client. Whereas now I I have all of it collected. I have the quotes I've used before, the resource like the links, the research I've used for other um, articles that I've written for them, so I can use them again. Otherwise, you like I said, you're starting over from scratch. Um, so just having a process in place that tracks the work you've done, um, but also tracks the research you've done for that client so that you, you, you can repurpose it um, and keep everything straight because it can get really muddled really fast. Yeah, I think processes are great and they're needed, but maintaining them is sometimes a challenge. But when you don't do it, you, you feel the pain later on. Yeah, I think you you get stressed really easily if you don't have a clear understanding. Like I have when I'm working on this piece and like for how long and then I'm moving on to this piece because I also don't want to be juggling too much in my head two projects at once. Um, I, I like to have that clarity of mind of like, this is what I'm doing from this day into this day. Um, it keeps things separate in my head. Yep, nice and clear. Um, so looking at the next two or three months you mentioned that you have work available up until that that two or three month window what are you planning to do to ensure that 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 work continues so what does your own marketing plan look like you mentioned linkedin postings one um how are you thinking about linkedin posting but equally what else is in the mix yeah so i'm definitely going to ramp up the posting on linkedin i have um, a lot of people in my network who do it daily um, or Monday through Friday at least. And I don't know if I'll ever have that cadence, but I definitely want to be like two to three times a week posting insightful things, either about my journey or about my approach or things I've learned um, about content marketing and content writing just to like get my name in front of people. I also think commenting on other people's posts yeah. is really valuable because you're leveraging someone else's network. And like you saw my post because someone else liked it. So like using the social function of LinkedIn can be really helpful and you can show your expertise on other people's posts. Um, so I'll definitely do that. Like you said, um, otherwise I'm in a few communities. So there's peak freelance, which is like a freelance writers community specifically. And then there's copy club and copy club. These are both Slack channels and communities, but the copy club has a channel that's find a freelancer and it's, it's not just freelance people who are in that channel. It's a lot of B2B marketers, D2C marketers, in-house people. And so they'll post in the channel. And if I see something relevant, I will reach out to that person. Um, I've gotten a few few contacts that way. Um, so yeah, those, those are my tactics at the minute. I'm, I might do outbound, like official outbound, where I'm, I'm emailing prospects and seeing if they have any interest in working with me. But so far, it's worked. Um, and then my network has been super um, reliable. So I also like word of mouth, just knowing other people who consult for a business and they'll be like, hey, do you have do you need a writer? Because I have one. Um, it's it's been not just Tim Hansen, it's been like across the board. So people have really shown up for me, which is great. That, that, that's great. And, and so so looking at the decision to, to make the leap, um, what, six, seven, eight weeks ago when you had any notice, what else did you do to prep? So I guess there's a, there's a financial piece to make sure that your, your salary is maintained through the freelance work. But did you seek out advice? You obviously joined a couple of communities. Did you go into any coaching programs? Did you speak to people? Like, what did you do to help prepare yourself? 
Yeah, I definitely spoke to people. Anybody that would listen, I would speak to. So I looked at freelancers who were a year, a few months to a year ahead of me. Um, and I asked for coffee chats. So luckily, because I worked at a company that would use freelancers, sometimes I would enter those conversations quite naturally because I would be yeah. potentially giving them work. And then I would be like, hey, like this is something I'm interested in as well. Like, do you mind having a chat over coffee? And people are great. Like almost everyone is really helpful and been like, yes, absolutely. Like happy to, to have that conversation. Um, so I've spoken to quite a few freelance writers who were already doing it and who could one reassure me that it was a reliable source of income in some way and that they enjoyed doing it. And a lot of times we would bond over the reasons for doing it in the first place. So that freedom of choice really came through. And so it was reassuring to hear that it was a reality for them. Um, but yeah, so those communities, reaching out to freelancers, just having conversations with people who didn't tell all the rosy sides as well. So like being really upfront with what was like difficult, um, conversations about what, what rates to set, um, what boundaries to set with clients. Cause I think it's really easy to become like a yes person and, and I am historically a yes person. So like having that knowledge up front that like, I'm going to be a no person, <laughs> I'm going to be a <laughs> person yeah. um, and it's going to be on my turn. Well, actually, just on that point, so you've already alluded to a couple of different challenges that you were preempting. Was there anything else? And attached into that question was, if you were going back maybe two months, three months, six months, is there anything that you'd do differently to prepare yourself for this? Um, I don't think I would, to be honest. I've done a lot of work, groundwork. So like you said, preparing, I did, I did the financial work. I I put aside money for taxes because I spoke to someone who said, make sure you're doing this. And I was like, yes, yeah. God. Um, I spoke to an accountant early on as well because I knew that I would want some support with taxes when it came. And so he gave me advice about registering my company and everything like that. Um, I put aside everything I earned from freelance for a while so that I, and I have a separate account. So it's not even my income, it's my business's income. Um, and I don't even I don't I don't even see the money until it's time to like pay myself. So I did a lot of preparations and it makes me feel really good because I like I said on my post, I'm risk averse. So just quitting my job and, and going full time freelance was never an option. It always had to be methodical. Interesting. So I done something similar a very, very long time ago when I decided to do something similar. So I put a bank of money aside, which was a, a six month runway. And then that allowed me to, to keep uh, maintain my like salary and keep going. And when I did make that leap, fortunately, my salary was maintained and somewhat increased and I still had that buffer. So is that what you did? Did you give yourself a specific runway? Was it three months, six months, just two months? It's three months of my living expenses. Um, so any, like exactly what I would need to just cover all of my bases. And that includes like a budget for eating out. So it's not like yep. I would be eating like beans out of the can. <laughs> like, this is the yep. life I know I want to live on a monthly yep. basis. And this is the money I need to do it. So it was three months of that. Um, that was just built up over the last couple of months because I was still earning a full-time income. So that was my living expenses. And then freelance just went into that 
I call it my freedom fund. So um, went into that that pot on Monzo for a while. That's great. So, so looking at where you are now from the salary that you had before and the freelance opportunities that are coming, have you met that previous salary that you come accustomed? Have you gone ten percent over? Like, what does that look like? And if so, like, was it immediate? So as soon as you made that jump, you've done it knowing that you had your um, salary maintained, albeit through the freelance work. Yeah, I think in November of last year was when I said, I want to replace my income with freelance. And once I do, I can, I can leave. Um, so I said that in November-ish, I started to get a full-time client load that replaced my income and then some around February. Right. So it did take a few months, but it was mostly because clients don't always, they say they want to start right away, but then it, there's like delays yep. and, mm-hmm. you know, ebbs and flows and things. Mm-hmm. Once things have started, it's usually okay, but it's, I knew I wanted to have that client load first, not promises, but like actually have the client load. So it took, it took until February to start to see like, this is actually going to happen. I replaced my income. Um, every month's a little bit different. And sometimes projects are like, we want this in this month, but they eke over into like the next month. They don't brief on time or there's a, like, they want to pause something. So that's, I think that's also why the, the Freedom Fund is really helpful because even if a project gets delayed, I can still get paid. <laughs> like yep. the salary that I need to get paid. Um, so yeah, it's not always... It's not like a percentage over, but I'm regularly beating the salary I have been earning. Amazing. And looking at your expectations for the next 12 to 18 months, is there an MRR goal? Are you looking to to double your salary 50%? What What is that um, target and what's that look like? Yeah, I definitely have plans to raise my rates. Um, I think the best advice people have given me is raise your rates until you get like more no's than yeses. Um, And then you start to realize, okay, this is like the sweet spot. Um, Because if everyone's saying yes to you, then you're probably too cheap or you're so well known for your services that people will pay anything. Um, And I'm not there. I know I'm not there yet. So I'm definitely going to raise my rates as I go. I don't think I have a target in mind. I just want to make more than I did at my job. (laughs) So I also don't want to overwork. So what, like I said earlier, I'm, I am burnt out right now because I'm still trying to give all of myself to my full-time employer mm. or I have been like giving all of myself to my full-time employer whilst managing a full-time client workload. So that means weekends are pretty much gone. Um, evenings gone, you know, way too many takeaways versus home cooked meals. Um, so I do want to get that balance back. Um, but yeah, as long as I'm earning like I would like to 2x my income, I guess, like my historic income, 2x that, um, have a work-life balance and almost work less for more. Yeah, no, not almost, work less for more. Yeah, well, look, double your salary, work less for more, I think is a a great ambition for for us all. Um, So I think on that uh, note, I think we can leave it there. I think, um, Melissa, I've made a ton of notes. I think you gave me a lot of work to do in terms of trying to, to cut these pieces for our uh, content library that we'll be putting together. 
But thank you for coming on. Your story's been really inspirational. I think there'll be lots of people who are looking to emulate what you've done. Um, so I think you've given them some inspiration for themselves to make the jump. Um, yeah, thanks so much. Well. And if anyone in your community wants, you know, to have that coffee chat, I'm I'm happy. So just let me know. Great. Well, I will uh, keep that in mind, and I'll let those. There's a few people I have in mind who have got in touch recently, so I might be making some introductions. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Okay. Thanks, Melissa. Yeah. Thank you. See you later. Right. Bye-bye. Bye bye.